You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. You know what cheers me up? What? Rolled up aces over king. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The House of Cards. Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player Ashley Adams. Okay, you have some skill. Hello, listeners. Welcome to House of Cards. This is Ashley Adams. We're going to be talking poker for an hour. We have two wonderful guests, and, of course, we have a mailbag segment. The two guests are Steve McLaughlin, who is member of the Poker Tracker management team. He's going to be talking about what Poker Tracker is and how it's used, what the restrictions are. I know I was fascinated by this, and I think I have a much better handle on uh, on this device, on this software that I can use uh, when I play online. And then a guy who is relatively new to the poker world, to poker radio, I guess. He's a poker comedian. Well, he's a comedian who does routines on poker now. I met him at the media tournament at the World Poker Final that Mike Sexton was the host of. And uh, his name is Ben Haig. Ben Haig is a funny guy. He's going to try out some poker material on tonight's show. At least that's uh, that's what I expect, and I'm very much looking forward to having him on. We'll also have a mailbag segment, so stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Hey, you serious about poker? Then winning 7-Card Stud by Ashley Adams is a must-have for stud players of all levels. In winning 7-Card Stud, the World Series of Poker Veteran takes you through a series of lessons and strategies designed to make you a better player in all phases of your game. The techniques of betting, what cards to play, how to read the other players, the art of bluffing, you'll learn to master them all. Winning 7-Card Stud by professional poker player Ashley Adams. Available at Amazon.com. We at House of Cards want to wish you the happiest of holidays. And in celebration of the holiday season, we would like to present that beautiful holiday favorite, Silent Night, sung by that wonderful soprano, Chewbacca. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams, professional poker player, author, and host of House of Cards. You can all, wherever you're listening to our show, we're now blanketing the United States. You can send in your questions or comments about the show to info at houseofcardsradio.com. And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash H-O-C radio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash H-O-C radio. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. 
You're listening to the House of Cards. Join us online at houseofcardsradio.com. Quiet, young man. Can't you see we're having a poker game? Welcome back, Poker Players listeners. We're here at House of Cards, and we're going to be talking to a very interesting guest, a guy named Stephen McLaughlin. He is a member of the Poker Tracker management team, and he's going to talk about, first of all, his experiences at the World Series of Poker this year, as well as what Poker Tracker is and what the future may hold for it, especially here in the United States. Steve, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Well, I am well, and I'm very pleased that you can be with us, Stephen, because I have thought a lot about Poker Tracker and when I was playing online and wondering about whether I should take advantage of all the technology that was out there. Poker Tracker was the big name. And then, of course, all the sites I played on dried up, so it didn't really matter to me. But first, I want to start with your background and then have you talk to us about your recent experiences and thoughts about the World Series of Poker. How did you get into this crazy world? Um, I actually started playing uh, slightly before the moneymaker effect took place. I was playing in the underground games of New York City, um, essentially the same card rooms and playing with the same people that you that uh, influenced the movie Rounders. Um, so you played at the Diamond Club and you played at the Mayfair or where else? Uh, I, it, was, it was the second coming of most of these clubs. I played at places like the PlayStation and New York Players Club, um, played with the actual K- Teddy KGB, um, people like that. Uh-huh. Okay. So, and I eventually discovered the world of online poker, found numerous communities, spent a lot of time in places like 2 Plus 2, and learned from my peers directly. Started playing Limit Hold'em. Um, started playing lots of other mixed games, uh, including everything, you know, the standard mixed games of, of uh, that would take up places uh, such as uh, Stud and Stud 8 or Better or Omaha, like in a horse game, as well as the draw games, uh, Deuce of Seven Single Draw or PLO or, or, or nowadays we're, we're playing Bidusi and Bidegi, uh, Bidesi very often. Um, and... As a, you know, in my mid-30s is when I first started, my early 30s actually, when I first started playing poker. And I had an assistant who, uh, at, our, at our company who was also an online poker player. He was 18 years old, and it made me stop and say, you know what, I'm, I'm thinking about poker the wrong way. I need to re- reevaluate and approach everything like, like this young 18-year-old kid was doing. Um, re- essentially spend all my time online, use all the software tools that were available, um, start from scratch with a bankroll. So I started with my first $50, deposited it, and never looked back. So just a little more background. You, you were in what industry? What, where did you come out of? Oh, I've had actually multiple industries prior to this. Uh, I originally was in the music business. Um, I was a publisher of, at a magazine at that period of time. I even owned a nightclub. I was a partner in a nightclub in New York City for one, one period of time. Wow, so you're a, you're a New Yorker then, Stephen? Uh, originally a New Yorker, but nowadays I live in Las Vegas. Okay, we're talking to Stephen McLaughlin, who is a member of the Poker Tracker Management Team. Uh, you were recently out in Las Vegas at the World Series, is that right? Mm-hmm. In fact, well, I live in Vegas, so I'm here all the time. Oh. But, uh, uh, yeah, we, we've been uh, attending uh, and at the, the, the series every single day. Personally, this year I'm not playing as many events as I did in prior years. Uh, last year I played 11 events, cash and four, um, including a very deep run in the triple draw event. This year we're spending most of our time supporting uh, various players who are poker tracker users um, and playing a bunch of PLO mix game, uh, and various mixed games at the same time. 
Does anybody in the United States still use Poker Tracker? Is there still an online world that's left after Black Friday and the assault on uh, our rights? That you know, that's a phenomenal question to ask. I love the way you phrase that. The ch- um, it is no secret that as soon as Black Friday occurred, there was a loss of poker tracker users. There's obviously a loss of incoming business because the vast majority of online poker players were playing at the three big sites, which were shut down, uh, uh, Full Tilt, um, Ultimate Bet, and, uh, and of course, uh, Poker, poker Stars. Stars. Um, but there are, there's another series of, of smaller rooms that still exist. Um, there's places like Cake. There are the Merge Network. Um, these are still right or wrong, accepting U.S. players. Um, Poker Tracker develops software for a worldwide audience. Um, Poker is not just in the U.S. It's a worldwide uh, component. U.S. is the largest uh, the largest uh, country that has the most amount of poker players, but it's still less than 50% of the total audience worldwide. Um, so we, we continue to develop for that worldwide audience. And let's, you know, just, just like Merge or, or Cake will accept, or Yate would accept the U.S. customer, they're also accepting customers from England. They're accepting customers from Russia. Um, so our software, we're a middle, uh, middleware product. Um, we are a product between the player and the network itself. Um, so we're 100% legal with what we do. In fact, we're based here in the U.S. But we leave it up to a decision between the player and the state that they're located whether or not what they're doing is considered legal. What do you mean you're leaving it up to the player and the state in which they're playing it to determine? Meaning, meaning state, meaning country or physical state or, or wherever they're – or even region where they're located. For example, um, in Italy, you can only play on Italian – um, approved rooms, but you know there might be a player who's using a VPN or other technology to play on a non-approved site or network elsewhere. We support nearly every site network out in the in the field, so we leave we let those decisions be, be between specifically between the government where the player is located and the player themselves. Okay, what I want to do is uh, we're going to take a break in about fifteen twenty seconds, and when we come back, uh, I want you to talk about exactly what poker tracker is many of our listeners may have heard about you some may even have used you but most don't really understand what it is tell us about the technology then we'll talk about the ethics then we'll talk about the future is that all right with you i would love to okay listeners Stephen mclaughlin he's a member of the poker tracker management team and i are going to be back to talk about poker tracker after a brief break stay tuned we'll be right back Great Moments in History In July 1937, Amelia Earhart was informed by her navigator, Fred Noonan, that they were off course over the Pacific Ocean. You're lost! You sit here telling me that I'm not intended to... Can I hold the f***ing... No! Can I hold the f***ing... No! That is so not cool. In June 2008, House of Cards began podcasting. Go to HouseOfCardsRadio.com and click on the podcast button for all recent show downloads. 
Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams, professional poker player, author, and host of House of Cards. You can all, wherever you're listening to our show, we're now blanketing the United States. You can send in your questions or comments about the show to info at houseofcardsradio.com. And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash hocradio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash hocradio. This is the House of Cards. You got a gamble to win, boys and girls. With Ashley Adams. Corden! Is that the king? Welcome back, listeners. We are still here with Stephen McLaughlin. He is a member of the Poker Tracker Management Team. We've been talking a little bit about his background, about Black Friday and its impact on the Poker Tracker business model. But I wanted to go back to basics for our listeners who may not be completely familiar with what Poker Tracker is, what it does, the technology behind it, how it's used, whether it's ethical, and what the future holds. So, Stephen, you're still there. Oh, absolutely. Great. Let's talk about what Poker Tracker is and uh, how it's used. Sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the layman explanation. When you go out and play in a live game, um, you're going to, we're, as human beings, we're programmed to remember faces. We're programmed to remember mannerisms. So we may not remember the name of the person that we played. We may not remember the exact hands that we played or the exact cards that we played versus that opponent. But we generally have an idea how they played. Were they loose aggressive? Did they tend to check fold out of position? Did they tend, tend to see bet or a continuation bet after they raised preflop every single time? These are the kind of things that we, we tend to remember. But when you're playing online, it's a different experience. You don't have the human being's face to look at. You don't have any mannerisms. You don't have any tells. That's all gone. Instead, all we have is the ability to track each hand that we play and create a database. That's essentially what Poker Tracker does. We create a database of the hands that, that the user plays, only hands that they actually play in or actually experience uh, while they have a table open. And then using the statistics that are derived from there, you're create, it helps you to create a profile of who that opponent might be. Now, it doesn't tell you how that opponent's going to play in the future because maybe they're drunk or maybe they're just uh, they're playing at a lower stake. So maybe, maybe they just want to have a great time this weekend. They might change how they play. We're all human beings, after all. We can't predict that. But it does give you an accurate representation of what is this, their statistical back, uh, statistically correct play has been in, the pri- uh, in prior games. Well, I think when you say – I think that's a very cogent and clear explanation, but I don't think it quite uh, takes the veil off what it is that you do. And maybe I misunderstand. What you first said was that it shows you what people have done when you're playing with them. But in fact, isn't there data mining that goes on where you actually, Poker Tracker, keeps track of their play even before you, the player, have sat down in the game with them? That, that actually is something that we are not involved in. Um, our software is actually designed to track the actual pl- uh, the hero, the player, as well as the, their, the hands that the, that player has ex- personally experienced. If the site or network allows data mining, then our software permits it as well. We just follow the rules of the sites and networks that are, that are currently out in existence. Okay. Um, so which sites, or are there any sites that allow, allow uh, players to uh, see through Poker Tracker an opponent's history of play prior to their playing with them? 
There is none. There's none that are current uh, that are U.S. facing that allow it. None. Not so if, if I played on Cake, for example, the only uh, the only profile of a player that I'm going to see is the profile of that player playing against me. That's correct. Not only that, but in the case of Cake, um, they uh, they actually hide the player names. So the the tracking is not effective except for when you're actually playing at the table. So it'll remind you of everything that took place while you're at that table, but it won't remind you of anything that took place in prior games. Well, isn't that what I just asked? Uh, well, it's, it's every, every, every site in the network is slightly different. So in the case of Cake, that is their rule. In the case of, say, the way that um, poker stars used to work, yes, you were allowed to tra- yeah, the, no, data mining was not allowed. However, you were allowed to track every single hand that you personally played in and experienced. Well, I don't understand how that's different from what you said Cake does. If I, Every single hand that I have played... Um... That's Because that, that's not considered data mining. There's no difference. For example, if you play in a live game, you actually are allowed in Nevada, in in uh, yeah, to keep in, track, in New Jersey, to, to sit keep down notes. and write with a pen and paper and take notes. There's no difference. There's the only difference is that this is an automated solution. Okay, so we were talking about Cake not allowing anything other than what I have actually experienced, and that what if I was incredibly meticulous and had very fast hands, I could keep track of it myself. This just automates the process. It doesn't give me That's anything right. other than what I could do myself if I could write really fast, let's say. That's correct. And Poker and, Stars and was the same way? No, Poker Stars actually allowed you to track your prior games as well. So you're, you're taking the tracking of all your prior games that you played, and they're, they're aggregated together on your HUD, which is your heads-up display on the table. So when you say mine, you mean if I am playing or you mean my opponents? If you are playing at that table and you experienced your opponent at a prior table, then you have information both about your own play, of course, as well as your opponent's play. Oh, so fact. it's really just like a, an automated way of keeping notes. Exactly. I mean, okay, so how is that different from what – oh, Cake only does it for the current session? Precisely. Ah, 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 ah. so yeah. they're not even as good as my notes that I can carry from session exactly. to session. See, see, there's a common misconception. Poker Tracker is a company that follows the rules everywhere. We just if, if, a, if a poker site has a set of rules, we, we implement them and we follow them completely. So there are if, some uh, sites, just so I can see the full range of what's possible, even if it's not possible on any of the sites that I in the United States can play on, there is the possibility on other sites, European sites, maybe sites that used to be in the United States, for not just tracking sessions that I have personally participated in, but in getting a history of an opponent based on the software's tracking of their play prior to my entering their universe ever. There was a period of there was a period of time quite a few years ago that that was more far more prevalent. Nowadays it's it's kind of rare. Really? I think that yeah. I mean I think that that's what I'd really want to pay for would be the ability to find out about players that I'm playing against what their proclivities are in games before I've played with them. You know, there are third-party websites that do sell that data. Um, we don't participate in that ourselves. We, so, our philosophy is 100%. We follow the rules. Whatever the rules are set out, we follow it. Well, wait, just one, one pause before I want to ask you. If the rules permitted you to mm-hmm. show me the player, 
what my opponents have done since they started playing on the site, even in hands that I did not participate, if the site allowed you to show me that, do you have the ability to show me that? We, what we do is the database is collected through hand histories that are stored on the player's um, personal desktop. So we just import the hands. So if the site actually saves hands and the player did not, uh, and the hero did not play in that game, then we have no way of determining whether or not they did or not. It's just another, it's just a piece of data for us. Um, as I mentioned, at this time, there's nothing in the U.S. that allows that. Well, I, I, I'm not an investigative reporter, but I'm getting the sense that I'm not getting a direct answer to my question. No, you, you, you is there a, if, if the site <laughs> allows you to disclose to other players information about what the other player's history is. So let's say I'm playing on shumipoker.com. Mm-hmm. And shumipoker uh, is like the old poker sites that, hey, if you have the technology, if Poker Tracker has the technology, it's fine if you want to share um, all the history that you've gathered over all these years that you've operated. Um, do you have the ability to actually track players, keep track of it on your own uh, data sources, and then share that information with the player if it's allowed by that poker site? I'll tell you what. I think the better way of describing this is that we don't know which, what, who the hero is. We don't know who the, the, the person who is at the table who's, aggr- who's uh, importing the hand histories. Oh. The only thing, we, only thing we know is if there's a hand history present. So if the site saves the hand history, then we import it. I see. Um, I see. That's, I think, that's you don't I, save I think, it. You don't yeah. save it. You don't have, like, your own memory bank of every player who's ever played that you've kept track of. Oh, Poker Tracker does it. No, it's all based on their – Got the it. Pers- when you purchase the software – it's a completely blank database, and it's the user, the player themselves, that as they import the hands, they create their own database. So there's never I two see. Poker Tracker databases that are exactly the same. Now, I'm being told by my producer that I have about 15 seconds left to wrap this up. Uh, we're going to have <laughs> okay. to have you on as a guest another time and do another segment. Uh, but this has been fascinating to me. You've opened my eyes, or actually what you've done is you've made me realize that the universe is not nearly as broad as I thought it was. This is a much narrower and more useful uh, tool than oh, I even thought it was. Useful. You know, you know, if for no other reason, if you're an online poker player and you need to to use this just to to track the hands you played in, just for your tax reasons alone. Yep. I mean, everyone should be using this. Software. I agree. I it's I want to talk about this some more, but I can't do it now. Thank you. This is Stephen McLaughlin, who is a member of the Poker Tracker Management Team. You've been an excellent guest. There's a lot more or here to be mined. We'll talk again what? soon. I hope. Why? Ta- thank you, Ashley. Take, take care. Bye bye. Listeners, stay tuned. We'll be back after a break. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. Don't just listen to House of Cards. Now you can be part of the show with the House of Cards hotline. Call us at 609-474-HOCR and leave a message for Ashley and the rest of the House of Cards crew. Comments about the show? 
poker questions, you just want us to know about great places to play, or you just got bluffed out of a pot, your messages may even be played on the air. Give us a call at 609-474-HOCR. That's 609-474-4627. The House of Cards Hotline, available 24 hours a day. Call the hotline or send us an email at info at houseofcardsradio.com. And don't forget to visit our website at houseofcardsradio.com and follow the show on Twitter and Facebook. By leaving a message with House of Cards, you can send to having your message played on the air. It's a fact. Stupid people have stupid children. If you're stupid, please don't have sex. If you insist on having sex, then please have sex with animals. Preferably animals smarter than you are. That way, if by some biological fluke you and the animal actually have offspring, odds are the offspring will be less stupid than you are. One more thing. Don't assume the animal is protected. If the animal has a condom, or if females some sort of interuterine device, insist they wear it. Please, help stamp out this mindless mindlessness. Keep your stupidity to yourself. This message brought to you by the Council of Concerned Citizens who are smarter than you are. Hey, you serious about poker? Then winning 7-Card Stud by Ashley Adams is a must-have for stud players of all levels. In winning 7-Card Stud, the World Series of Poker Veteran takes you through a series of lessons and strategies designed to make you a better player in all phases of your game. The techniques of betting, what cards to play, how to read the other players, the art of bluffing, You'll learn to master them all. Winning 7-Card Stud by professional poker player Ashley Adams. Available at Amazon.com. Hey, this is Dave Weishadol from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of December 19th, 2011. U.S. citizens are out of luck if they play on Bodog. As of December 14th, U.S. players can no longer access Bodog's website, although the license agreement between Bodog and its licensee, Morris Mohawk Gaming Group, expires on December 31st. The group decided to cease operations in the United States early. Morris Mohawk will operate under the new name, Bovada. The newly formed Massachusetts Gaming Commission has a new head. Governor Deval Patrick named former Chief of Staff Stephen Crosby to lead the new five-member gaming panel. The panel's role will be to decide who is awarded the three casino licenses in the state, as well as the license for a single slot parlor. The commission will also regulate and oversee the gaming facilities. And finally, how about this for some bad luck? 26-year-old Bahar Merlaku, while playing slots in a casino in Austria, believed he was Europe's newest millionaire. The slot machine he was playing lit up, rang its bells, and indicated he won $57 million. And what was the casino's response? It was a computer error, and that normally jackpots cannot be higher than 2 million euros, according to Austrian law. For the misunderstanding, the casino offered him 100 bucks in dinner, which he refused. Merlicu is now suing, obviously. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gambling, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow House of Cards on Twitter at HOC Radio. Don't just listen to House of Cards. Now you can be part of the show with the House of Cards hotline. Comments about the show? Poker questions? You just want us to know about great places to play or you just got bluffed out of a pot? Your messages may even be played on the air. Give us a call at 609-474-HOCR. That's 609-474-4627. The House of Cards hotline. Available 24 hours a day. By leaving a message with House of Cards, you can send to having your message played on the air. 
This is House of Cards Radio with Ashley Adams. All right, this is my show, and it's a serious intellectual hour of discussion, and I want to keep it that way. All right, in three, two, one. Magic hour. Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. Um, Just a quick introduction for a guy that I'm very pleased to have on. I was playing in the media tournament, really kind of a pathetic event. Uh, No prize money for us. Uh, I think they threw in some shekels for charity. But the good thing was I got to meet some other media people, so-called. I mean, some people were there with fake credentials, I think, because I don't think they really were there for a media company. But one guy I met was um, a self-described comedian, stand-up comic named Ben Haig, and I asked him if he'd like to come on and if he had any stuff about poker he could talk about that might be funny, and he said, I'll work on it. And so here he is, Ben Haig. Welcome. How you doing, Ash? Thanks for having me. Well, I'm absolutely delighted to have you. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your background, Ben? Because uh, unless they really frequent the comedy circuit, I doubt they know your name off the top of their heads. Uh, well, first off, I'm assuming all your listeners know who I am. Okay. Uh, that, that's for starters. <laughs> no, I'm a uh, professional stand-up comedian. I'm actually uh, going to brag a little bit and tell you that I'm sitting out on a, on a balcony right now calling you from floor where I've been working some gigs down on uh, this past weekend. So uh, I got that going for me, 75 and sunny. But I, I hosted uh, the road show on Fox Providence, which is a, a morning um, talk show, kind of a today show, uh, you know, vibe with, with a, a little bit of a local flavor in Providence. And right now I'm doing, uh, in addition to stand-up, I'm doing radio on 92 Pro FM um, in the mornings on the Giovanni and Kim show. Terrific. So you're like the third, the third wheel on that show? Yeah. Uh, we call it third mic, but third wheel is is, uh, is <laughs> that's usually how my dating life goes. But third wheel works as well. Okay. Now, are you from this area originally, Ben? Is this where you grew up? I am. I'm a, I'm a Rhode Island boy, born and bred. Uh, went to co- school down here in Florida uh, for broadcast journalism. Then I did uh, an acting program in New York City and, and kind of bounced back between LA and New York for a few years. But uh, right now, reside back in Rhode Island. So glad to call New England home as always. Well, that's great. So, have you ever done any poker in as part of your stand-up before? Uh, I, mean, I work a lot of casinos and whatnot uh, around the country, and, and, and I enjoy playing poker. Uh, not necessarily do I have any poker bits and whatnot, but uh, you know, I, I try to keep it loose at the table. You, you caught me on a serious day there, uh, I, <laughs> as you mentioned. I don't know what we were playing for. I think buffet coupons. Yeah, or like <laughs> right, that. right. That's but, right. <laughs> It was so long since I played poker. I, I just hadn't played in, in in a few months, so you know you get rusty. So I was really uh, a little more focused than normal, as opposed to just just being my normal loose self. I, I just remembered to... what we were playing for, and I okay. won it. I finished third, and I won two tickets to the place called Comics, which is the comedy, <laughs> which is a very play. good comedy club. Yeah, right at Foxwoods. <laughs> so you showed. I uh, we had, it was basically win place and show were the people that that were awarded some prizes. The only reason I was I was trying my best was because I wanted the free uh, the free golf. I can get into the comedy club. I performed at the comedy club, so I didn't care about that. Right. I was trying to at least come in second so I could uh, so I could get those golf vouchers. Well, you how did you do? I forget. I actually won. Believe it or not, you won the whole thing. 
I did. I wasn't the best. Yeah, I was. I definitely. I ended up going heads up, and I won one hand, where um, I I literally caught like seven, eight on the river, and uh, on Fourth Street in the river, and I made I made a straight, and uh, you know obviously the place went nuts. Uh, by nuts, <laughs> I mean the two people that were uh, that were left. Yeah, I think there was a security guard and the woman that was holding the buffet vouchers uh, <laughs> couldn't believe it. Um, and and the, the woman that was holding buffet vouchers didn't even know what happened because I don't think she understood poker. So she was just cheering because I looked excited. And, uh, yeah, it was good. I ended, I ended up winning it. So, uh, so, so, it was, so it when are you going to play golf? Are you not going to play in the winter. Does, are they good for a year or do they only last till January? No, they're good for a year. And I actually... Uh, Played played like a week later because we had that stretch right before Thanksgiving where we had a few days in the 60s. So I uh, I went out there and played uh, played like a week later. I think so it was nice. Good. So I don't even know how you do comedy on the radio. So I mean, my brother was stand up comic. He runs a dinner theater now, and he said one of the hardest things to do is people walk up to you. All right, say something funny. And, and <laughs> <laughs> well. It's- it's uh yeah it's it's not your your normal uh you know it's it's not not your normal kind of in your wheelhouse as a comedian. Um, but we've warmed up the crowd. We've warmed we, we, up we, the crowd. We've warmed up the crowd. Uh, we 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 had that, that poker tournament at Foxwoods, which I love. I just I love going to casinos in general, um, whether it's to perform or just to go in general. And I I, I always find it. I don't know if, if you you find this uh, familiar, but it's always different if you're going to the casino with a group of guys or a group of girls. Mm-hmm. If I go with a group of girls and they're in the back of the car, I'm convinced, for starters, that they don't even know gambling exists at casinos. They just want to go and dance, and they want to go get massages and go shopping, and, you know, they bring these mixers so they can sit in the hotel. Meanwhile, when I go down to a casino with a bunch of my buddies, I look in the back seat, it's like they're planning a bank heist. My buddy's got blueprints of the, the, you know, all the, all the, all the gaming rooms. One of my buddies barely graduated high school, yet he slams a book shut and he's like, "I just learned how to count cards." Guys, we're in. We're good tonight. This is going to be us. I'm like, Steve, Steve, you're 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 legally retarded. What are you talking about? It's unbelievable. It's something about the vibe, though, especially a place like Foxwoods. You, you know, you go in there and, and you, it's just that that vibe that you always feel like you can win. You know, whether it's the bright lights, the music, the oxygen they're pumping in there, all the Asian people screaming, monkey, 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 monkey. You know, I, I yell that when I play poker, too, by the way. I, I don't know what it means. I, I've gone 21 several times, though, playing poker, which is weird. There you go. doesn't do anything for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what else you got? Uh, it's, uh... <laughs> so tell me, two Holden players walk into a bar. One says yeah, to the two other. Two poker players walk into a bar. One says, hey, uh, if somebody asks you to do comedy on the radio poker show, you should politely decline. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I, I go out to Reno. I don't, I don't know where you, where do you play most of your poker, Ash? You at Foxwoods. I play at most Fox. of it at Foxwoods, but I travel to I travel to every poker place, you know, every area in the country that has poker. Yeah. I've been there. I, uh, how do you feel about Reno? Let's talk I about love Reno. Reno. There are 24 different poker rooms among Reno, Sparks, Carson City, Tahoe. There are a lot of poker places, small stakes, fun. I love it. I love Reno. I, I, uh, I was just out there working at the uh, Silver Legacy Resort for, uh, um, for a week out there. And it's, Reno's good, but it's funny. Being from the East Coast uh, and being that my buddies aren't that intelligent, um, they're always like, oh, where are you working this week? Oh, I'm going to be in Reno. And the first thing they say is, I love Vegas. I'm like, well, it's actually, uh, it's, it's in the same state, but that's pretty much where the similarities end. You go to Vegas, like I worked in Vegas, and, you know, it's, 
after the shows and walking around the casino, you see, you know, the young, cute 21-year-old girls, and they're doing Jaeger shots on the bar. Then you go to Reno, and it looks like the Golden Girls in the cast of Cocoon, wandering <laughs> from one gambling night. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's I an agree. older crowd. Yeah, they, they 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 don't get as many seats at the poker tables either, only because everybody takes up two or three seats with their <laughs> oxygen tanks. That's their the wheelchairs. The yeah, that's <laughs> very good. That's why they only seat eight. They can only fit eight. Yeah, yeah right. half the time you're you're only playing heads up because one guy has seventeen devices just so he can stay alive during the, you know while he's playing. <laughs> Very good. You're killing here. You're killing Ben. I'm All right. Yeah, I can I can hear in the back in the background. I'm assuming there's a laugh track and whatnot. I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming you invest into a laugh track and, and some other things. For That's this. right. <laughs> there it is. There it is. It's yeah. funny though. I uh, you know they they tell you to kind of in in you know you're a much better poker player than me. Normally you can kind of tell guys' strategies, whether they play aggressive, whether they like to bluff a lot, whether they call, you know, just guys have different strategies. My strategy um, differs based on how I did that Sunday on football. Like, you know, <laughs> normally I'll play a slightly more aggressive. Uh, the Patriots don't cover the over, and I'm already down, uh, you know, 20 times or a couple hundred large. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you don't have any money, you're going to be playing much more conservatively. Exactly, exactly. That's right. Um <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. There you go. Well, this this is really working out well, Ben. Where are you well, appearing thank God, next? I'm almost out of material. So, uh... <laughs> oh, you've gotten into your material? Oh. <laughs> no, what are you talking about? This is all off the cuff. <laughs> Double A, this is all off the cuff. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. Where are you appearing next? Um, I, I just, uh, nice little tour down here in Florida. I'm just... Uh, a couple of private um, Christmas gigs and some fundraiser stuff, but I have a gig at the Twin River Casino. I'll be headlining there. Uh, that is in Lincoln, Rhode Island. It's December 30th. It's a, we're going to do a show before New Year's Eve um, for people that want to get out and don't want to have to deal with the New Year's Eve crowd. So they can go on to uh, catcherizingstar.com to get tickets. It's an uh, 8 o'clock show and a 10 o'clock show, and again, that's December 30th at uh, Twin River. Twin River. Twin River used to be Lincoln Park. It did, and... Uh, it's actually funny. I'm not making this up. They they don't do the dogs anymore. It used to be a great uh, great uh, greyhound track, which was you know it was fun to go bet on. And they stopped uh, having the dogs run. And it was literally the day Michael Vick got released from prison was the last day they ever had dogs run. I'm not making that up. That's actually a little I believe fun you. fact for your three or forty thousand listeners. That's a little fun fact. Well, Twin Rivers is to Foxwoods what Reno is to Las Vegas. I think. Yes. Yes. It's an People older crowd. Yeah, people ask you to go to Foxwoods, and you get excited. Yeah, let me, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll be down. I'll meet you downstairs in 10 minutes. This is great. People call you to go to Twin River. You're like, let me grab my cigarettes. All right, let's do this. <laughs> it's a bit of a, bit of a different vibe, a bit of a different uh, gambling crowd there. Well, I, um, I hope folks come to see you. I may come down to Twin Rivers to check you out because I've never really seen your stand-up, and I'm getting a very small taste of it here. Um, but I think it would be fun, Ben. Well, stand-up is, is, is meant for a live audience where you can feed off the crowd. Uh, so this isn't the ideal setting, but, uh, you know, it would be great if you came down. And uh, you know, a, a local celeb like yourself, of course, don't hesitate to, uh, to give me the heads up, and I'll, I'll copy some tickets. Oh, great. That's great. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think the food's as good as Foxwoods at Twin River, but I'm, you know, I'll see if they can take Kerry over at Johnny Rockets or Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> or something like that before you head in. Very good, Ben Haig, appearing at Twin Rivers, uh, December. What did you say? 
Uh, December 30th. So all the people that don't want to, you know, deal with all the traffic and, and, the, and the thickness of New Year's Eve, uh, this will be something they can still go out and have a good time. Very December good. 3rd. 8 o'clock show, 10 o'clock show. Ben, thank you for joining us. And uh, when you actually have some poker material in the future, you're welcome to come back on. In fact, <laughs> you're welcome to come back on. You've been a great guest. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Ash. I really all right, appreciate ben. it. Take care. Take care. Uh, listeners, we're going to be coming right back after a break, so stay tuned. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to uh, mention something, that if any of you have any poker questions that you would like to ask, we are always interested in your questions and comments about the show, about the guest strategy questions. They could be practical questions about where and how to find the game. Send your questions to info at houseofcardsradio.com. And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. We're very interested in them. And of course, if they're particularly interesting, we'll put them on the air and answer them here in our segment of Mailbag, info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash hocradio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash hocradio. We at House of Cards want to wish you the happiest of holidays. And in celebration of the holiday season, we would like to present that beautiful holiday favorite, Silent Night, sung by that wonderful soprano, Chewbacca. Jersey, we want to hear from you. Send us an email at info at houseofcardsradio.com or leave a message at our hotline at 
Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. And as we do every week, we have our mailbag segment with my producer, Dave Weishattle. Dave, what do you got for us this week? Well, last week we ran out of time talking about your Scottish ship, and I had like a million more questions. Uh, Okay. Just as a recap, uh, where did you go in Scotland, and what casinos did you go to? I went to Edinburgh, which is uh, the larger of, I think it's the largest city. It's the capital city on the eastern side of uh, Scotland. And uh, I stayed at a place called Martin's Bed and Breakfast, which happened to be uh, about a block and a half away from the Circus Casino's poker room, which is open till 5.30 in the morning. The sun rose so early that I could, uh, I literally would get up at 3 or 3.15 and then quickly get dressed, leave my wife sleeping in the bed and breakfast, walk around the block and play poker for about an hour and a half until I did that until 5.30. And then I would walk all over Edinburgh before the city really woke up and see, you know, what it was like. Uh, The only exception to that poker routine was my last night there, Saturday night, I played in a uh, about a 165-pound tournament at the other casino, which is the um, Mayberry. Mayberry is out near the well, I wanted to ask about that one because I don't think we talked too oh, much okay. about that one. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the Mayberry. What was that about? Well, the Mayberry was uh, more typical. It's more of a kind of European-style casino. It uh, sounds Scottish. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's, well, uh, <laughs> It's better um, than circus. It has a little bit of a nicer entrance. I mean, the uh, Circus Casino is in a mall, and uh, it's more like some of the poker rooms we find up in New Hampshire, kind of. Uh, but the Mayberry was more, you know, dark colors, nicer fabrics, um, a little darker rooms with leather, and uh, and it was more like a traditional European higher-stakes casino. The poker, though, the cash room, uh, was lower stakes, fifty cent a dollar. They only have it um, regularly on the weekends. The rake, uh, if you remember, the Circus Casino had a wonderful three pound an hour seat charge. Wonderful for the player, very inexpensive. That's amazing. I, w- I wish they had it here. Yeah. Oh God, it would be great. It's about one quarter to one fifth the cost of playing poker at uh, even the relatively well um, run casinos with medium rakes like Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun, where they rake $4 a pot maximum. Circus uh, is much less than that. But the Mayberry was a maximum of 6 a pot, which makes it considerably more expensive. And you also have to keep in mind that's 6 pounds. Mm-hmm. So that's more like uh, 8 or $9, $10 uh, if you get a bad exchange rate at the casino. So uh, it was, interestingly enough, this was a larger-than-typical tournament. I think it was like a monthly or even a quarterly event. And the players who came, I found them to be much more serious, skilled, aggressive, uh, knowledgeable, and uh, a much tougher field. Um, Very few pots went by without at least a raise pre-flop. Most were three-bet pre-flop. There was a lot of aggression after the flop. Uh, Players seemed very attentive one thing that was annoying was they were very slow, very <laughs> deliberative. I clocked some of the uh, some of the rounds just to see if it was just my imagination, if I was impatient, or if it really was taking longer. And two hands in a row took five minutes, which is a very long time. You figure a typical hold'em game, thirty to forty hands an hour. That would be about a minute and a half per hand. So when you have five minutes, and players were just pausing and 
and looking and thinking and re-looking at their down cards. <laughs> it, you'd think they were all acting, but they weren't. I mean, it just it was ridiculously slow. But they're, they're Scottish. They were poets. They were thinking of something brilliant to say between hands, I guess. I don't so, tend to stereotype people in that way, Dave, because I'm a good radical. But uh, <laughs> you can. Yeah, I, can. I absolutely do. It saves time. So do our Irish equally deliberative? How about Italians? Are they uh, do you well, the same? I'm Italian, I'm yeah, Irish, and right. I'm German. That's how screwed up I am. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, in any so event, they, uh, they were very thoughtful and delivered, maybe because in their eyes this was a very big tournament compared to what they normally enter. Some of them were coming down from Aberdeen. One was coming from St. A-, a couple were coming from St. Andrews. They were coming from all over Scotland. Glasgow, a whole bunch were coming from Glasgow, which is about an hour, 45 minutes, an hour away. Um, so maybe that's why. I don't know. So the more skilled players were at the Mayberry, and I guess yes. if, if you're looking to, I, I don't want to call them fish, but if you want to make money, circus. 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 circus, absolutely. And what kind of games were they spreading? Anything unusual? No, they, the... they only spread No Limit Hold'em, and occasionally they would spread in Omaha, but I didn't see any Omaha when I was there. In fact, when I was at the Circus Casino at uh, 3, 4, and 5 in the morning, there was only one table going at all, even though there was room for eight or so. Um, I was told they got two or three tournaments, cash games rather, and the tournaments they would have a full house. Uh, Mayberry had maybe ten tables, and uh, they were see there were fifty six players. They sat nine to a table, so that was uh, like seven tables. Six or seven tables were going. Any stud? No, 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 really? no, no, no stud. I, I, did you even ask her? I did. Oh no, what? I asked. I said, did they ever spread stud? And they looked at me like, well, I think. Maybe a long time ago, <laughs> back with dragons. Yes, yes, yes. With dragons and maidens, we had stud, but not recently, no. Well, I have to ask you, uh, as an American, how were you treated? I, I remember you have the story of uh, West Virginia, and I guess they knew you were an outsider. How were you treated in Scotland? Very warmly. Really? I mean, you know, the way I treat people when I meet them at the casino. Welcome, and I hope you're a fish. They're thinking... And please come, please play, and uh, welcome to come back. There was uh, a couple of people. The first game I played was uh, at about 6 in the evening, and they were all regulars, and they were all very tight regulars at the Circus Casino, atypical of the games that I played early in the morning. And I remember they looked at me a little funny when I um, was very tight, too, right off the bat. Usually people that just they don't know are, are loose. And uh, I stole a pot. I mean, I I raced pre-flop with uh, a big ace. Uh, the flop was low cards. I bet. One guy called. And then after the flop, I gave it another barrel and, and bet again. And he folded saying, well, Sonny, uh, you, you get those big pairs every once in a while, but no one will give you any action, thinking he was reading me as a tight American player. So one might have interpreted that as an unfriendly remark, but... For the most part, everybody was happy I was sitting in and, and playing. And in the tournament, they were uh, very welcoming and uh, helpful when I asked questions about Scotland. And it was clear I was an outsider. So nobody was in any way uh, inhospitable. Oh, I, I, I'm dying to ask you this. I don't know if you asked the people of Scotland, the poker players. Did you ask them about our online poker situation? And did they have any opinion of that? Because it's it's almost embarrassing to bring up, you know, you're... Your government is babysitting you to a point where you can't do anything. Um, that's a good question, Dave. I didn't ask them, uh, you know, theoretically. 
in poker games, I find people do not have time for much contemplation. You get five-word sentences, three-word sentences, <laughs> one-word sentences when you ask a question. But we did, in that way, talk about the fact that, you know, we didn't have online. He's a, and they would say it was a shame, seemed silly to me. They weren't terribly judgmental, though, about U.S. internal politics. Uh, they didn't, I think, maybe because they were being polite. They didn't want to be too harsh about our government being ridiculous. But they joined me when I said that I thought it was absurd. They all agreed it was silly. And tax, you tax your, you tax your gambling income? They couldn't believe that either because, of course, in the U.K., they don't tax. I don't think they tax anywhere. They don't tax in Canada, gambling winnings. They don't no, tax I don't in think the so. UK. Um, but that was about it. We didn't get into a long, long discussion about it. What's the... Uh, poker culture like there? I mean, we're you're wearing a shirt that says Degenerate Gambler. Do they have shirt, shirts like that there? Or, uh, I know there are poker clothing companies or poker hats. Yeah. There's poker sunglasses. Well, Do they have that out there, too? Or it's... Yes. Um, in fact, I don't have anything in front of me to jog my memory, but there were people wearing a couple of different funny T-shirts and hats. And I think I may have mentioned in the last uh, mailbag segment that we had Folks, they are not allowed to wear hats in casinos. The casinos are very strict about wanting to be able to identify with cameras or whatever. But in the poker area, you're allowed to wear a baseball cap or any other kind of hat. So people did. They, In fact, when I was playing uh, in Mayberry, the, I'd say 30% of the players had baseball caps on. Interestingly, in the, the old style casino and the european casino and in britain uh, and in london i was, required, I was just about to ask you that was there a dress code i remember you said there was they a dress required code smart casual but <laughs> i checked in advance and apparently as poker has become uh, ubiquitous in the uk the dress codes have been relaxed to the point of well you can't have cut off jeans and you can't wear sandals but you can wear a collarless shirt a t-shirt you can wear shorts just not you know, incredibly short shorts or cut-off shorts, and uh, that's about it. So it's become neat as opposed to even smart casual. So I don't, ha- I don't need a jacket, at least not there. I needed one in Spain, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. I didn't need a jacket. I asked. Or did you say the Aviators Club or uh... the Aviators Club? I needed a jacket. I needed a jacket at uh, the Vic, uh, the Ladbrokes Victoria in London. But I think in Scotland you don't need anything. I got to well, ask you, except as I explained, I couldn't go in naked. <laughs> Every place you go, I have to ask you this because you always bring it up, and I can't believe you haven't brought it up yet. The food. Oh, I mean, let, let me. Last time I said, you know, Scotland wasn't known for poker, and I know Scotland isn't known for gourmet food, but there's some pretty good stuff in Scotland. I had some of the best meals I've ever really? eaten there. Um, first of all, realize that. Emigration into Scotland from all over the British Empire has happened 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. So we're into the second and third generation families who are fully uh, Brits and Scots, but have an ethnic heritage that surrounds them. And so my wife and I and my cousin and her husband went to a wonderful Nepalese restaurant. Great food, kind of like Indian, northern Indian food and a few dishes I had never had before. I don't have all my notes of the wonderful food. They're in my blog, I think. Uh, People should check it out at houseofcardsradio.com. Put in a little plug. Um, Also, uh, Chinese food. Excellent, wonderful place. Um, I took my 
cousin and her husband out, and I'm trying to remember the name. Karen's Unicorn was the name. Relatively inexpensive. You've got to realize that the prices in uh, Scotland were like they are in the U.S., but everything is in pounds. So if a typical dinner for two in uh, Boston or Pittsburgh might be 60 bucks for a mid-priced restaurant, not super fancy, not cheap, not Denny's, not LB's, uh, but, you know, a, a decent restaurant or a, a somewhat nicer restaurant, 60 bucks. In the U.K., it would be 60 pounds, which is another... So we're talking $90, $95, $100. So it's more expensive. Uh, So great Chinese restaurant and the Scottish food. I loved it. That's what I was going to ask about. I had haggis. haggis. I did. You did, really? But you've got to realize, I mean, people here in the United States make a big deal out of haggis. Is is that goat stomach or sheep stomach stuffed with meat or something like that? You know, it may be. And and I think it is. (laughs) But think of it as sausage. Okay. If you think of it as sausage, I mean, what's in a sausage? Sausage can be in a... A casing that is some type of an animal organ that it's stuffed into. It's not, it didn't used to be artificial. Um, haggis is the same thing. They have different pieces of the animal that have all been chopped up and uh, and pr- processed and then stuck into the uh, whatever it is the bladder of the <laughs> of the sheep. But it tasted like a very tasty sausage. And they had uh, neeps, which are turnips, which were very good, and they had. Um, uh, bangers and mash and uh, tatties, which are fried potatoes. And I did not have a. I'm honestly telling you, I did not have a bad meal. I ate out two meals a day. It was wonderful. Um, I, I ate in probably 15 or 20 places in the one week I was there. My wife's a vegetarian. She had no problem. She had vegetarian haggis, which in a lot of the menus. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah, in a lot of the menus, they just say haggis, and then in parentheses, they say vegetarian, uh, oh. so that you can have either one. Um, I had great local ice cream. I had a lot of uh, what they call whiskey that we call scotch. I had a local beer. I did not go for uh, three hours without eating something. (laughs) I had fish and chips, and it was all wonderfully tasty. So that's a good note to end on. I would love to go back just for the food. I wish I was more careful in, uh, in keeping track of everything. So I recommend it highly. Scotland for poker for food, and for beautiful environment and weather. And that's it. That'll do it for the show. Come back next week, houseofcardsradio.com. I'm Ashley Adams. Good night, good afternoon, and good luck. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.